right, let's talk some football. We've been very into baseball, as we should after that game last night with the Cubs' walk-off win. Plays some of the highlights, too, from last night. Later in the show, comparing all the different broadcasts on the walk-off call. If you want to uh, react to anything you heard today, 312-332-3776. Bears getting in good work, though, in Indianapolis. They're taking on the Colts this weekend, and uh, today they have their second practice against the Colts. Wilbon was trying to, uh, to talk us down yeah, about... He was poo-pooing it. This is the best stuff that they're going to get probably all training camp. Listen, uh, for me, this, yeah, this, is, this is where you learn the most about your team, is in these joint practices. That's just me. And you see it, too, like in, in all these joint practices where... The coaches get together and say, we want to work on this. Yes. And then the other coach says, we want to work on this. Absolutely. And let's go. And you may find they yourself work together. in a game with, let's say, five or six plays on the goal line. Well, you can script an entire 30-minute period on the goal line if you want it in these joint practices. Yes. So you can work on everything. Yes. So uh, let's pick it up with Courtney Cronin because uh, we were very into baseball. And then the practice happened then. Right after we were off the air. Yeah. So, Courtney joins us on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Hey, Courtney, what's going on? Not much, guys. I'm over waiting for... Bears just got here. Their practice starts in about 55 minutes. So, the buses just rolled up. They're going to be coming off here shortly. We had rain earlier, but it looks like we're going to have another nice night. It's a really good setup here in Westfield. Are, are you one that also agrees that, that you can possibly learn most about your team in joint practices like this even versus preseason games oh yeah absolutely i mean what you were saying about the amount of work you could just do in the low red zone like having a 30 minute goal goal line period if they really wanted to go about it that way right they could and i think you know i'll be curious to see what's part of the script tonight they had the move the ball period yesterday the situation at the end of practice uh for two minutes that both teams had to abide by I thought they did a good job incorporating a lot of different elements in for both, you know, the Colts and the Bears, because that's what Matt Eberflus told us, that they were going to put themselves in a situation with the Colts coaching staff to find out what do you guys want to work on, what do we want to work on, and try to build their two days of really good work off of that. And, and so far we saw it. Like, they're, you know, half the way there, and they've got another practice. And they're going to get two hours of good work in tonight. Are, are we past looking at and maybe you were weren't even into it um practice to practice earlier but are we past looking at results of what happens practice to practice now that we're on to games i think some people still want to nitpick every single throw that justin fields makes and you know what he looks like in seven on seven versus the team period and everything else but i I think right now we're this is practice number 16 today they've been at this for about a month you're taking a look at the cumulative effect of what does this offense look like? Who's healthy? How does Fields operate now with the players that he's been with all off season? And then being able to gauge what it looks like against another team. I mean, watching him against the Colts pass rush, it did not have DeForest Buckner is, you know, it's a good way to gauge like how much further they have to go and like where they are right now, but it, they're getting good work in with that. And I think these joint practices, I know they didn't do it last year because they were so far behind the eight ball that they had to just focus on themselves during training camp. But I wouldn't be surprised the way that this is going if this ends up being something that they want to do every year beyond this year. So what has stood out to you, the good, the bad, and the dirty? 
So, I mean, yesterday with the 11 on 11, there was a period where there's like some nothing plays and then Fields hits more over the middle of the field and then hits Bayless Jones for a really deep ball uh, inside the five-yard line. I thought that was good. And then, of course, the offense stalls out on fourth down in the move the ball period. So you try to take a look at all of those things, figure out well, what, what happened, what, what matters in that. And, you know, I think the good moments, I mean, for someone like Bayless to come into practice here after a not so great showing in the preseason game where he has to prove himself, otherwise he might not be making this team. He had a really good catch with the second team offense and 11 on 11. And then in that move the ball period, he, he shined as well. So I think he's taken away like some of the small things, some of the people who have stood out that maybe need these practices more than others. You know, Travis Gibson would be one of those guys. And, you know, now that we're going to start to see people who have been on ice for a few weeks, Nate Davis and Marcus Walker, when they incorporate themselves into the to practices, what do they look like and how much better do those respective units look like when they're at full strength? Before we get to Nate Davis, how, how tall of a climb does Valus Jones have after that fumble? I think it's considerable because, like, the amount of work he can do here is great. But, like, do they trust you? Because he's shown in flashes and spurts that he can be that guy, but can you do it on a consistent basis? I mean, he fumbled the game away. He muffed two punts in the fourth quarter last year of games that ended up being semi-close losses against Washington and New York. You can't do that. So, I think for him, it's it's making sure that his margin of error is small, and we know that because Dante Pettis is coming back off the NFI. He's been in practice now for a week. We know Tyler Scott is part of the competition at punt and kickoff return. So Valus has probably a pretty short leash, but I think what we saw from him yesterday is a sign that you know, he's taking it seriously, obviously. He has to to keep his job here, but that he can have a role that's not just the gadget play guy and the jet sweep guy. Like the speed that we saw yesterday to get open on that deep ball, that's what I remember why they drafted him. They wanted that 4-3 speed on the outside. And to see that in action, it maybe could turn uh, you know, the tide in his favor that coaches could see, okay, well, maybe he's not just a special team guy that we want to use. Maybe there are some other opportunities for him to make his hay um, elsewhere in the passing game and also being on this roster. All right, so uh, what did you make of what Nate Davis was, was doing out there, and what, what did they allow him to do? Not much. Um, you know, for the majority of practice, there's like, I'm standing out in between the fields. There's two fields. So I was watching the individuals and then some of the early team stuff, and he was in for that, but then it became Jatari Carter's, um, you know, it became his, his day at right guard again. So he was getting most of the reps. I'd like to see Nate Davis do more today, and we'll find out just how far he is in this quote-unquote ramp-up period because this was his first day in pads. Like, you can believe that. He had not been in pads prior to yesterday's practice. and He's been here since, you know, the spring. We have saw three sh- practices of him and Shells, and that was it. So it's kind of a it's weird that it's so new, but that's just what he's been dealing with with whatever the injury is. So I... I think the Bears need to see quite a bit out of him to know that they're comfortable having him play at right guard because right now you're down to your third-string guy as your starter, and that's not exactly a comfortable spot to be in, regardless of anything good or bad Atari Carter's done. Do you believe the Bears have any buyer's remorse with Nate Davis? 
It's probably too early to tell on that because, you know, there have been guys who have missed the bulk of the preseason or don't sign until late, then they get there and then they flash. And if all goes according to plan, then, you know, they shore up the right side of the line. They've already got Darnell right and the returns are positive. But it, I think it's too early. to. T- I'm sure they're frustrated with it because the guy skips the offseason program after he signs, which is bizarre. That doesn't happen, um, even though it is voluntary. It's just weird. And then, of course, the, the stuff that's kept him off the field and, you know, seeing how that's affecting what they want to do with the continuity element up front, it definitely is taking a hit. So they can't be happy with that. But if he comes in and if he's able to remain on the field you know, starting week one, then I think they'll forget, you know, all the stuff that happened this offseason that prevented him from being there. Uh, Eddie Jackson, I hear, was in a collision yesterday. What's the update on his status? I'm curious to see what he does tonight. So it was, it was a play during the move the situation at the end of the at the end of practice, and he hit, like I mean, he's a ball hawk, and he went after it uh, against Michael Pittman, and he hit him hard. Like I remember, like kind of saw somebody got airborne in that, and then he went over to the far sideline to in, not to a medical tent, but he was walking around and he looked like he was shaken up. They took him out of the game. They took him out of practice immediately. And then we didn't hear from him. He was supposed to talk last night. He didn't. So curious to see if they end up trying to, like, slow play this and let him rest tonight. That's um, one of those, like, questionable injury things because Alan Williams didn't have much of an update. He said that, you know, he hadn't heard anything, and he assumes that, like, you know, kind of assume positive unless you hear anything else right after practice. But I did, we did not see him go back in, no. Do we have any update from Eberflus regarding Justin Fields' playing time? When we last talked to you on Monday, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, he, he, he was a little wishy-washy on that, but you thought they would still play him in the first-team offense. Do we have any clarification on their plans for Saturday? We'll hear from him tonight, but I imagine they will. I really do, because the tone that he had on Monday – of wanting to see him get more action. I mean, he's certainly doing it in these joint practices, so I don't imagine that they'd play him more than two series, but it's important. This is good work for him. This is something that he needs at this stage of his career to get himself comfortable, to get himself, you know, the rhythm and the timing and all of those things that have been preached throughout the preseason. You don't get better at those unless you're at live game speed. So I would imagine tonight we'll hear – that he will play and that it will be, you know, they, they won't tell us the exact amount of reps, but I would imagine if he does, it'll be about two series. Did he look comfortable yesterday in practice overall? It, in moments, yeah, but I think that even just going against somebody else's pass rush, there were still a couple of those things that you saw from last year that they've been trying to break those habits where he'll drop back and pass, he'll wait, you know, two, you know, two to three seconds, and all of a sudden he's tucking it and, you know, trying to get to the sideline. And I, and I do credit him on the last play that got broken up during the uh, move the ball period. You know, he's trying to – he got flushed out of the pocket, and he's trying to make a play to Darnell Mooney on the run, and it was just – it was a well-covered play. And he, you know, kind of had the sideline to work with. So there were moments where he did, and then some other moments that I think just the nature of being against somebody else, you know – it's just getting used to that. And, you know, the more you can do with that in the preseason, you know, within, within like, the limits that, you know, this team is going to want to exercise to keep guys healthy, I think the better. What do you think of the other young quarterback, Anthony Richardson, who is the number one for the uh, Indianapolis Colts? I mean, watching the ball come out of his hands yesterday and how decisive he looked. Ooh. I remember the, the experience last year, watching that Utah game and then watching him, you know, kind of take a nosedive the week after – like, 
that's the whole experience he's going to have as a rookie, where there's going to be some really good moments, but you see that athleticism in play and how like just tremendous of a build he has and like his confidence in the pocket and already to be like on the same page with some of his receivers. You know, I'm not surprised that the Colts did this at the timing in which they did. I know that there are people who are going to say he needs time to develop, let him learn from Gardner Minshew. But the sooner you do this, the sooner you can tailor the offense to him and let him, you know, kind of trial by fire this year, knowing that it's not going to be pretty. And even yesterday, there were moments where it was. And I thought the Bears secondary really brought a lot of energy and, you know, almost the energy that the Colts had to match. And I think Richardson felt that in moments. He was, Eddie Jackson had an interception in seven-on-seven seven on a really not great ball, but it's, it's, it's coming along with him. And I, I understand, like, the hype. I see I mean, it, didn't ha- it didn't take me needing to be here to know why they drafted him where they did and seeing where his ceiling is and how they expect him to, you know, try to get close to that this season, even though it's going to be a long ride. So um, what is uh, – compare and contrast the experience – for a fan who is is going to watch the joint practice, is it uh, co- co- uh, compare it to Hallis Hall uh, and yeah, what what so, their setup is? Okay, so like I'm I'm standing on the field right now. Actually, from a media perspective, it's better because you can get closer to the field. You have a lot of different vantage points, and there's these stands that go I want to say like ten rows up. It goes the entire length of the field, and it. It really feels like camp. I was, t- I was telling Peggy uh, and Carmen earlier, like it, it reminds me a tiny, tiny bit of Bourbon A because of just the, like, you. it's that feel where it's like you're going away, you're going to a place where training camp happens, not the, like, everyday grind that the Bears have when they go to Hallis Hall. And I think as a media member, I mean, when you're there every single day and it's the same place for training camp as it is, you know, the day-to-day, it doesn't really feel different, but this does. And I covered, I was an intern in 2011 when they were out in Anderson, Indiana. And this is like 10 times the size of what they had out there. And it's cool. Like, I mean, you're next to a freaking cornfield. Like this (laughs) doesn't get more Indiana than this. Mm. And I think that people like that because, you know, there's like a family fest area, right? Adjacent to these stands. And, you know, it's, it's cool. I mean, there's, we're 45 minutes from practice right now and the stands are mostly full. Uh, give me your impression, well, uh, first of all, of Tyreek Stevenson and how he has carried himself. And also, if you can, Courtney, is there anything being said about when Chase Claypool will be available again? I mean, Stevenson is every bit the part that you would expect, the physicality, the length. Um, we know that they draft on traits, but they really prioritize certain physical elements that they want to see in their players, and he fits that. So to watch him not back down from any of the receivers that he went up against yesterday and also showing off his personality. I know there's a line, like, and you don't want to be trash talking every, you know, and going beyond the whistle every snap, but that's what you need to bring. That's the swagger that they didn't have opposite Jalen Johnson last year. And that's no slight on Kendall Vildor. It's just, that's not his personality as a corner. So to have such a high draft pick, in that position where he can make an immediate impact, you're seeing it. You're seeing it on special teams. He's bringing that juice that I think is contagious. I mean, Kyler Gordon talked about it, but that's that edge that they want to play with that they just didn't have last year. So I, I look at it as a positive. And then, you know, then the note of Claypool, like even he was getting into it, like he was excited, you know, after Tyreek Stevenson, who, you know, he was jawing with last week, 
Now, when he blew up the blew up a play on um, on punt return yesterday, he like you know hit the gunner pretty hard. Claypool is the first one chirping from the you know the back of the end zone when he's watching. So we know that he tweaked his hamstring last week. I would imagine since it is August seventeenth, they're going to be cautious with it. They're not going to want to push that to get him out on the field sooner than he's ready. And I know that's probably frustrating, but. You know, Pat and I were talking about this on the podcast today. When you watch that 1920 football drive, the, the, the series that the Bears put out, I think it might have been Mooney who made the, or Mooney or Komet who made the comment that, you know, you got to be out there to have, you know, to have Justin throw you the ball, to have the confidence. He's that guy who's not just going to trust that you're going to get open um, automatically. So I think that's something to key and keep an eye on for how long Claypool ends up being out, like how long they're going to have to, it's going to take to, rebuild what they were just leaving off with, if that makes sense. Yeah, because he was having a good start at camp after missing yeah. a lot of mini camp. So, he was, yeah, he was. And yeah. I think that that's a really critical thing to look at. Like, does this set those two and their chemistry back? Because, you know, Fields wants to be comfortable. He's not going to always trust what he sees and trust that it will end up being, you know, a guy breaking open on a route that might look covered at first. And, and that's a young quarterback thing. I think we expect that. But getting Claypool out there is going to be critical to making sure that he's not just locking in on DJ Moore and that, you know, the, there's other options in this passing game too. Courtney, good stuff. Any other notes we need to know? Uh, one thing I'll say, and I said this earlier with the fans, like I think it's the Colts have a great setup because they've been announcing like every period they're telling you what's happening. They're telling you about like how practice is moving along. Like this is a really, I encourage people, like I hope they do this again here next year. We know that, the connection between Chris Ballard and Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and, and the Colts, it's its well-documented. But this is a really great setup, and it's a close drive for Bears fans. So I think it's kind of a win-win all around. Yeah, more of this, the better. That's for sure. Yeah. Courtney, great work. We appreciate it. Thanks, Courtney. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Take care. We'll talk to Courtney on Saturday in the Bears pregame show. want to play this. She referenced 1920 football drive. That, of course, is the address of Hallis Hall. This is also their reality show, their hard knocks type show that they put up on the Bears website. You can check that out, chicagobears.com. This is a little sneak peek. Uh, Obviously, there's video to it, but this is the audio version of what the Bears put out on a little behind the scenes of Matt Eberflus's day. Okay. All right. Good afternoon. Everybody stand up. Appreciate your teammate. Let's go. Get up. Elevation, right? We're here to elevate. Be on time. What does that show? Be a pro. You're going to be a pro. Standards. Everybody held to the same standard. Work hard and compete. There's a difference between working hard and competing, right? Everybody goes out and works hard and does those things. But to be elite, you have to compete. The question is always, always this, right? Hey, how am I being evaluated as a coach? How am I being evaluated as a player? Okay, and how will we be evaluated as a team? So how do you do this? You visualize greatness. You first have to see it, right? Winning the division is our number one goal. You got to see it, you got to say it, and then you got to do it, right? You have to do it over and over again. It's got to be the repetition. No one practices harder than us. No one. There you go, Matt Eberflus, 1920 football drive. Check it out on the Bears website, chicagobears.com.
Ticketmaster.com. Again, Saturday, four hours before the game. Kickoff is at 6. Our pregame coverage will begin at 2. Our network pregame with me, Dion, will happen at 4 o'clock. Lance Briggs is going to join us during the regular season. You want to react to last night's Cubs-Sox game? You want to talk some Bears with us? 312-332-3776. I've got the dilemma story coming up. I've got some gambling stuff on the Bears. All of that and Barstool Big Cat at 5 o'clock. It's all coming up. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Waddle, I believe Tim Anderson has posted an apology on his Instagram story. By the way, his, uh, as you said earlier, his suspension has been reduced by a game. Five games. Five games now. So now that that's been solved, he is, as he said, he would address it after. Right? I don't know if he's going to ever speak. Is this how it's done, though, these days? I don't even know. Is most of the uh, quote-unquote addressing of the issues done on one's personal social media sites? I would think, again, you stand in front of your locker and you're still going to talk, aren't you? But I, I would not, so, not today because you're suspended or, you know, after a suspension, I would think you're going to... But he has not spoken much. I think AJ, you know, said something to us that resonated with me. Look, it, it, it's better for all involved to address it sooner rather than later. Yeah, of course. Because if you don't address it, guess what happens? People continue to wait for you to address it. Yeah. As opposed to deal with it, talk about it, and then everyone moves on. Like, Everyone's attention span is so short these days that it'll be... You'll be beyond it or, or past it sooner rather than later. Like, be real for the fans, you know? To, tell, to give the fans a little insight of what's going on. So this is what he released on the Instagram story. He says, I want to apologize to the entire White Sox organization, my teammates, manager, coaches, and to the fans for my part in the altercation which took place in Cleveland. This has been an incredibly disappointing season for me personally and for our team. I will not get into the things that were said to me by Cleveland players both Friday night and Saturday, but those comments do not excuse my language or conduct, and I take full responsibility for my emotions getting the better of me. The Cleveland players are free to say whatever they want, but I will just say no one has more respect for the game of baseball than me. I look forward to returning after serving my suspension and finishing the season playing the best baseball I can to help my team. And then he signed Tim Anderson. Can you read me the first part, too, about the Indians, and, or excuse me, the Guardians and what they said? This has been an incredibly disappointing season for me personally and for our team. I will not get into the things that were said to me by Cleveland players both Friday night and Saturday. So right there. But those comments do not excuse my language or conduct. So basically what he's telling you is, is I responded the way I did because the Guardians were chirping at me for the Friday and Saturday night game. Is that the right way to apologize? It's up to the individual. Isn't that a yeah, but? Isn't that a yeah, but apology? That's how it it sounded to me at the beginning. When you say... 
I will not get into the things that they said, but I'm sorry. That motivated me to act in the manner in which I did. So I'm sorry for my actions, but what he, I, I mean, I think he kind of leads you to believe that he was, that they were instigating something. That's that's partially the interpretation. And of then it. again, later in there, he, he does address with what Jose Ramirez says, that he has disrespected the game for a while after the game. That's what Jose Ramirez said. Right. So, it's, it's it, again, it's just, it's one messy room. It's one messy, it's a messy field. It's what they've done on the field. It's a messy field, season. Yes, it's, it's, it's a, what they've done on the field is messy. What they've done... It, what their clubhouse looks like is messy. The message, even as they've tried to, and it, all of them describe not, not what clean. has transpired. It's has not clean. Been, yes. It's not clean either. And it, again, I, I can't say it enough. Um, they've got no guidance from the top. They've got no. They've got no way out. No one to guide them through anything with leadership anywhere in the organization. But yet they will never change that. And until they do, you're, whether it's Chris Sale cutting up jerseys or whether it's Tim Anderson fighting people, it's, it's almost 10 years later, 8 years later, whatever it is. Not much has changed. Not much has changed. The losing, the, 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 the infighting. The dysfunction. Ozzy and his kids against the front office. Chris Sale fighting with the front office. Tim Anderson fighting with the Guardians, underachieving seasons. What do they all have in common? The franchise is being led by the two same men. They've shipped all the other ones out, but those two same men get to preside over the team. Like, everything's cool. Seems obvious to me. Seems obvious. Yeah. Uh, Roy, what do you have for me? Oh, I thought you had something for oh, me. Oh, do you want? To, do you want this story? Yeah, I want. I want to, you. You had a, uh, a titillating Can tease. I, let me take Roy. Just he's okay, been. Right. A, he's a, li- a long time listener. He's been on hold for a while. Roy, were you at the game last night? I was not, but I oh. do appreciate you guys taking my call. No, I. This just, says was I, it the game? It says was it the game last night? No, I. I was no, but I. I, I will. I'll get into it all. But, uh, no, I was not there. But I, you know me. I'm a diehard fan. I just want to call in and just share about how important and significant that moment was. And I, I think for many reasons, including the fact that we got the news about Stroman, which was just horrible. Uh, the fact that if we lost, it would have been third, three in a row, and then we needed it. So if you and I would have been sitting there for 48 hours, just kind of been like, oh, my God, is this going to be... You know, uh, are we going to not take advantage of these uh, weaker opponents and whatnot? And of course, against the Sox. And I just, I'm just, it, it was so much fun. And another thing too, like my dad and I, he lives in Oregon, and uh, we text almost, like not almost, but every game, like during the game, you know, hundred texts back and forth. And as soon as Morel hit that, I was about to just give him a call, and I see that he's already given me a call. And uh, so that's just, you know, one of those things. That it's special, and you remember it. And it's like that saying, how can you not be romantic about baseball? And uh, I just loved it, and hopefully, you know, the Cubs can take this and, and move forward and use a little bit of this fuel. Uh, and by the way, you know, while you're making your marketing pitch for Shohei, why not start with that clip? I mean, who would not want to be in Wrigley at that moment? I mean, what an electrifying thing. And, 
And one more thing. You know, Sylvie, you know who else enjoyed it? Who's that? Rick, uh, Wrigley the Wrigley, dog. Wrigley the dog. Was he barking? Yeah, he, he was just absolutely loving it. No, but um, anyway, just I appreciate you guys letting me able to kind of share about that. But love your show. It's been fun listening. And uh, hey, Sylvie, let's go, Cubby. Let's go. Yeah. Roy, it's good stuff. That's That's the essence of what Hawk used to say about... Call your son, call your daughter, call your friends. Like call after, your call your neighbors. That's you call someone after a game like that. Like I don't call many people anymore. Like that, that's somewhere you text someone. You you just share that moment with people. It's really good. Mike and New Lennox, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Mikey? Hey, Waddle. Hey, Mike. Are we doing? We're great. Fabulous. You. Uh, good. I just wondered who started the fight the other day. Uh, who started the fight? I'm not sure. I'm. I. You know. I think that that for me is still up to. Hasn't been decided. Yeah. I don't know. Like the, the, so why did Tim get more? Why did Tim get more games then? Well, I, I think part of it is is that Tim has had more more issues with the league, right? Well, right. And when does the fight start? Does the fight start when Tim dropped the gloves? Does the fight no, start when, with a when, point? When, like when did, Ramirez pushed his leg from underneath and then got up and put his finger in his face. What's Tim supposed to do at that point? Well, like Take uh, that, let that let that happen. With the tag, then too, like like no, Ramirez could say like the the the, the over the top tagging that they've had a problem with. Um, what, two, yep. What? Yep. So at that. Why don't they both get the same amount of games? I, I tried to say earlier, Mike, I think because if you look at their resumes, and this is maybe one part of it, is that Tim has had more than a couple of incidents that have left him with league discipline, and I'm not sure that Ramirez has the same number of issues. So it's like repeat offenders, and, and repeat offenders will be disciplined harder than guys that haven't done that. Even if the other guy started a fight. Yes, I believe that you asked a question, why did Tim get more games? I think that yeah. part of it but is... I first is, asked who, who started it. But, 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 did, first, I, but, but again, did he did start the previous, fight? Like, does a point start a fight, or does the guy dropping gloves and throwing up his hand start a fight? As soon as somebody puts their hands on you and puts your hands in your face, that's... that's Fighting. I mean, what else is he going to do at that point? Well, Make that's fine. That I mean, listen, listen. I mean, look. I'm not going to argue with you if you think that Tim did the right thing. So I just don't know what is your. So what is your? What is? So your beef is is that Tim got more games than Ramirez. Correct. And that you guys make it sound like Tim started a fight. So you're you're probably I mean, with you, us suggesting you beat, that if you Tim, beat people up, you have a police record for beating somebody up, and somebody punches you and you beat them up. Is it because you've had previous things? Is it you, you started that fight? No, he, even though the guy punched But he you didn't first? get punched. He, he didn't was, get punched. He got his hand in his face. It's the same thing. No, it's not. I don't he, know if there was any contact. I never saw the angle. I mean, I think he put his finger near his face. Yes. I, was there any contact? No. I don't know. I mean, like any. I just wish you guys were, you know, being Cubs fans, you might stick up for the White Sox. It's, it's not a, a Cubs or Sox fan. fan thing. It's a, I, there have been plenty of times when I, I, I stuck up for Tim Anderson. I, listen, I mean, if you if you feel that Tim did the right thing, I'm not going to argue with you. Like, the reason why this became a story was because Ramirez, and, and, and obviously it could be considered a lucky punch, 
hit him. He squared up with Ramirez. Ramirez hit him, and he went down. Like, that's... Yeah, there's no doubt who won the fight. There's no doubt about that. Okay. He didn't, I mean... he didn't, he didn't, he didn't win the fight, but I just think it's just off base to have to say that because he has a prior record and stuff like that, that guy can do that and stick his finger in his face. If I come to one of your broadcasts, I put my finger in your face and push you up, I think you're going to do something about it. Not me. Yeah, I'd probably buy you a drink. I'd probably buy you a drink. Like I said before, I'd piss my pants, I think. If you stuck your finger in my face, I'd piss my pants. And again, I'm not sure what precipitated that whole thing as well. Like, Jose Ramirez uh, doesn't seem to be the type of guy who has had confrontations with players. So what... What went on prior to all of that? You that know led this. Them? You keep asking me this. You know this. Jesse's explained to you what right. went there into this. There was chirping that went on. Right. right? Going back to the last series. What exactly was said? And I think it even goes back to the the last year, too. So, like, you ask, why did Tim get more games? He got five. How many did Ramirez get? Three? Three. Okay. I, I don't think Ramirez, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. Has, has Ramirez ever been thrown out of a game, or was that the first time Jose Ramirez was even thrown out of a game? Not sure. Not a, not a Cleveland fan, so wouldn't, wouldn't know that information. Well, when, 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 de- when, when deciding how long somebody is going to be suspended, I mean, I would again say, especially in the world of sports, if you had a run-in with the league or someone else prior and you have transgressions on your record, they're going to punish you longer. I, that's the way it goes in sports. So the next guy that runs up and starts a fight with Tim Anderson, it's his fault because he's had priors. No, that but he doesn't go away. N- n- no, about, but what about but, once you served your? What's about you served your time? You've done your time and you start over. But again, I think Tim's transgressions will always be part of the conversation when the amount of time you are going to be suspended is decided. That's just reality. Who are whoever you? Whether it's Tim, it's it's Dansby Swanson, it, whoever it is. When the league decides what punishment they're going to. To, to deal out, they're going to look at your record. That's that's what they do. You may not like it, but that's what they do. Okie dokie. Thank you, Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Yeah. There's Mike. I, uh, like, I, I get it. I mean, you, you know, you're upset. You think that, yeah. Is pointing, like, is, is that your definition of starting a fight? Pointing a finger in someone's face. It's a I, I, like, I, 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 mean, I think it's an it's aggressive, a disrespect. It's it, aggressive. It it's, it's, it's an disrespect. aggressive move. Yeah, I mean, you, most people are going to respond to it. On There's the street, no question. for sure. On the street. I mean, but, if you're asking Tim to just back away, I don't know that that is something that any of us would do. But to drop the gloves, and, and right. I think that Tim was the first one to throw a punch, wasn't he? How many times have you seen in a sporting event someone point a finger at someone's face? And how many times have you seen fists go up? It's probably, yeah, no. I mean, you get, look, I'm not taking Jose Ramirez's side of this. You asked, he, Mike asked, why did Tim get more games than, than Ramirez? And I'm telling you, part of the issue is, is that Tim has been suspended in the past, right? How many times? Four or five times? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's just the nature of how they issue discipline. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. So we're reacting to it, it, it's been shaved down to five. I'll reread the statement for you um, uh, that Tim just put up on his Instagram page, 
and that spurred that. A lot of people on the line is going to do this. So we could get into this story, too. Let's give away some fantasy football tickets, too, for football fans. More than just fantasy football, it is a football festival. Festival of football. It is. It is gambling. It is Bears. It is NFL. And it is fantasy football. Barstool Big Cat's going to join us in 15 minutes. We'll ask his definition of what is starting a fight. It's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't been in a fight since I was like in fourth grade. Yeah, me neither. When you can't fight, you try not to get into any fights. So, 312-332-3776, caller 11 for Darnell Mooney. Uh, You'll have a chance to win now and next hour. If you don't win, remember, tickets are going fast, so better get your tickets now if you don't win at hardrockcasinonorthernindiana.com. It's August 27th. That's a Sunday. What's the date today? Is it a week from this Sunday Today's already? It's the 17th. It's my daughter's 28th birthday. Happy birthday. Angela. Angela. Yeah. Uh, and it is a week from Sunday. So these tickets are going fast. You better hop on the website at uh, hardrockcasinonorthernindiana.com or Ticketmaster to buy these tickets. Barstool Big Cat will be there. Joniak and Thayer. Adam Schefter, Field Yates, everyone at ESPN 1000, Peggy and Dion will be doing a live show. You'll be there. Uh, we'll, that would be everyone at ESPN 1000. Yeah, including you. Including Waddle. Everybody, and uh, you will too if you buy your tickets right now. Uh, Barstool Big Cat at 5 and your phone calls on the TA News as well. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie. Watch us and join the chat. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. So you did the research during the break. I did, and the reason I did the research because I was trying to explain to Mike that that I think that Major League Baseball, when they issued the suspensions, looked at the track records of the two players, and Tim has been suspended twice other times, two other times, and been kicked out of games eight times, and Jose Ramirez had never been suspended and never been kicked out of a game. And, again, I'm not the judge and the jury here. I'm just telling you, I think, in professional sports, when they rule on suspensions, they look at a player's previous track record. It always just like with Draymond Green in Golden State. They just, take it into consideration when passing out the punishment. Yeah. So Tim Anderson issued the statement. I read you this before. This is from his um, Instagram story. Uh, he says, uh, I want to apologize to the entire White Sox organization, my teammates, manager, coaches, and to the fans for my part in the altercation, which took place in Cleveland. This has been an incredibly disappointing season for me personally and for our team. I will not get into the things that were said to me by Cleveland players both Friday night and Saturday, but those comments do not excuse my language or conduct, and I take full responsibility for my emotions getting the better of me. The Cleveland players are free to say whatever they want, but I will just say that no one is more respect for the game of baseball than me. I look forward to returning after serving my suspension and finishing the season playing the best baseball I can to help my team, signed Tim Anderson. I think for him, the the quicker he puts this behind him, the better for him. Let's go to Nick on the south side. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Nick? 
No, not much. Thank you. A long time listener, first time getting on the air. Um, my thoughts is like, you don't know the ins and the outs, what was said and what wasn't, but when enough is said, the hands get thrown. And my big thing is I keep hearing from everybody is how he got put down. Hey, Ramirez didn't even know what he was throwing at. He looked at the ground, go to the tape. He was he was looking at the ground when he hits him. It is what it is, but when you have a rap sheet, yes, it's going to come down harder on you. But my big thing is TA's one hell of a ball player. So yep, as long as he puts it behind him, we'll be good, as, as long as Jerry sells the team too. But <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think we all said from the very beginning that these are two guys, these are baseball players, not fighters, and that Jose Ramirez did hit him with a punch, consider it a lucky punch. Regardless, as AJ, you know, talked about and said, that is a picture that is going to be put in front of Tim for the rest of his career and his life when people are asking for autographs. Hey, sign this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how people are going to remember it. Lucky or not, that's that's the sad reality. John in the West Loop, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, John? Uh, not much, guys. I, I'm a diehard Cubs fan, but I just want to say to my, uh, I don't know if I want to, you know, my friends and stuff like that that are Sox lovers, that I think that the... I think that that club has a disease, and that disease is Bill Wirtz's disease. And uh, the Blackhawks didn't do anything, unfortunately, until Bill Wirtz died and gave control to somebody else, and they took over the team. They spent the money. They put him on TV. They did everything. Until Reinsdorf, like your last caller says, either sells the team, passes away, gives it to his kids, they're not going to do anything. He doesn't spend money for that team. He had the opportunities the last couple of years to just add a couple of players and spend a little money, and they would have been competitive and they would have been in the playoffs, and he chose not to. And that's just where they're going to be until he is no longer there. You know, again, I like if he would just change up leadership and do a scrub of the way they do business, the way they scout, the way they draft, the way they develop, there are things they can do differently under the same ownership. I'm not going to suggest that death is the only answer for doing things in a better fashion. I don't think that that, that is a drastic uh, explanation for how you can get your program back on track. Right. But a lot of Sox fans think what I am proposing is nuts because they don't think he'll ever subscribe to that, which is which is it shows you where My they are. My point is, is that like, look, no, maybe I know that, that may right. be true, but. You don't have to have death as of part of the not. equation. You yeah. shouldn't. That's what right. I'm saying. Right. That I'm saying it shouldn't be that. Right. That you can do this by doing this, this, Just and this. Just make a change. And Sox fans say, Sylvie, uh, he'll never do that. Uh, you know? And, and that's all it will take. You don't have, like, you should be in line for Shohei, but it doesn't take that. Absolutely. You could You could get good front office guys and give them total control and get Kenny out of there, get Rick out of there, build up the front office. Uh, build and put put millions into the way you you develop players like the Rays do. You don't have to have a payroll, no. uh, an astronomical payroll, to develop players to draft players better. You, you don't. There are uh, the, there are a number of options that you could choose to point help point your organization in the. But right it will tonight. take an investment, of course. Um, it's right. not a cheap thing to do. But then again, like you know, owning a sports franchise is. You're swimming in the deep yeah, end. Yeah. Uh, all right. Barstool Big Cat will join us next. When when does he believe a fight starts? When who starts it? Like it does it start with a finger point? Does it start with a first punch? Uh, what did he think of the morale walk off home run? You'll hear uh, the call again. We'll we'll play that coming up. And all of your phone calls three one two three three two three seven seven six.